Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Trundlebed Tales. I am your host, Sarah Utoff, the creator of Trundlebed Tales. Find us all around the web under Trundlebed Tales and on your social favorite social media platform. This is Trundlebed Tales, the podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic foodways, one room schools, and other social histories. If you listen through iTunes or just have an account there, please leave positive feedback because that helps people find the show. This is episode 90, the SMET event 2017. But before we go on to that, let's have a little housekeeping. And I guess the first piece of housekeeping that I better do is to rearrange my link or my uh, song buttons because I just did the wrong one. But of course, housekeeping is when we talk about uh, the things that are on today's program, on upcoming events, on upcoming uh, speaking engagements, and all that sort of thing. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that you can call in at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll free, 1-877-633-9389. That's toll free, 1-877-633-9389. Or you can stream episodes live or find the archives both under blogtalkradio.com slash trendlebedtales. And I want to make sure everybody is aware that the next big Laura event is in Keystone, South Dakota. And that is Carrie Ingalls' birthday, which is held every year on August 3rd, which is a great month to have a birthday. And A little before that, I'm going to be doing a program on July 22nd at the annual Clear Lake Storytelling Festival. So if anybody is up near Northeast Iowa, let's go ahead and stop on by and say hello and enjoy the Packing Up program. Now, I think that is about all the housekeeping we have. And with that, I want to uh, start out telling you about my latest trip. Now, this is sort of one of my roving reports, but I didn't actually get it done when I was roving. Turns out 
it's easier to get these done when you're traveling by yourself. But that's okay because now I can tell you about all the days all at once. And I, um, it's a long ways to dismend from just about anywhere. Uh, it takes me about eight, eight to nine hours, depending on, on which way I go. And I took a little different route this time. Uh, usually I go up and take the cut across and hit 90, but this time uh, I went over across 80, which was good for the restaurants because it allowed us to eat uh, at the Cracker Barrel and at the Sonic, uh, in, or the Cracker Barrel in Clive and the Sonic at Sioux Falls, but was bad because it took us through the most possible road construction that we could possibly hit. So if you're listening to this and it's still summer 2017, if you can find an alternate route than I-29, I would suggest that you take it because it was construction pretty much the whole way. Uh, and also, there is still a lot of construction going on in Brookings. The main road that is the 14 business road straight through town, the one that goes past uh, Walmart, that goes past the gas stations, that goes past McDonald's and various other restaurants, it's kind of your last chance for a lot of different options before you get to dismet was uh, all torn up. You could still get through town, but you had to make several kind of detours. And if you didn't need to stop at one of those things, take the bypass. The bypass didn't have much construction on it, just a little at the beginning. And then after that, it was smooth sailing. And the Highway 14 is, of course, the Laura Ingalls Wilder Historic Highway. So be sure to look for those Laurel's Wilder Highway signs as you drive along because they make a great picture. Now, the reason I was going to DeSmet this time is because we were having what we call the DeSmet event. And this is something that they announced um, a while back for Laura's 150th birthday. They really didn't uh, come up with a name for it, just like they didn't for the big event they did back in 2005. Uh, so I've just been calling it the DeSmet event. It was, in fact, part of their 150th birthday celebration for Laura Ingalls Wilder. And it was a very different event for them than that they had normally had. I mean, it had some of the same people they've had before. William Anderson, who is the big Laura Ingalls Wilder expert. And in the show notes, I will put a link to the interview I did with him about his most recent book, The Selected Letters of Laura Ingalls Wilder. And they had Nancy Copel, who is the head of the Pioneer Girl Project for the South Dakota State Historical Society Press. And they had Judy Thompson that they had last year, who was the cover illustrator for the series. But besides that, they also had some TV people, which they have never had an actual TV cast appearance in Dismet. Walnut Grove has a lot uh, because the town spent pretty much the entire time in Walnut Grove in the TV show, and they didn't spend even one day in Dismet. So uh, there's a reason for uh, the focus that Walnut Grove puts on it compared to the Smet. But uh, this time they had Dean Butler, who plays Almanzo Wilder on the show, who we have finally convinced that it is Elmanzo, not Elmanzo. 
and there is a uh, and on the show notes I will again put a link to the episode where I interviewed Dean uh, about some general questions about signing events in general and then just a little bit about this event but I think that you'll still enjoy it even though the event's over and Allison Engram who played Nellie Olson who is sort of the spokesperson for the group. She's the one that's most active and does the most events. So uh, it was had this kind of um, stronger TV focus than anything that they have had there before. So I didn't know how many people that were going to come to this. Uh, I did know that the uh, Nellie Olson uh, play on Sunday afternoon was all sold out, but we didn't know how many people. And I looked over the parking the night before um, because we got into town. We went pretty much straight to the hotel, but I did do a quick drive through just to kind of look at things. And uh, I decided to walk over from the Super Deluxe instead of drive, which it's only three blocks. Now, if you're going to be doing the tour, so you're going to be seeing the surveyor's house and then going over to the Third Street house you probably are not going to want to walk that, at least if the tour drive guide is driving. But if you're just doing the half tour or you're going over there to see the exhibit or the gift shop or the Discovery House or anything like that, it is easily walkable uh, to between the hotel and the surveyor's house. So that was something I hadn't known before. And it was kind of a nice thing. I could see even uh, if you had done the tour at another time that, you know, if it was evening or early morning and you were staying at the hotel or just a little ways farther over at the cottage motel, uh, that you might walk over to the surveyor's house for a nice kind of morning walk or evening walk. And I think it would be very pretty. So uh, that was the first day. The, The second day or the start of the second day, of course, I walked over to the event and kind of looked the thing over, what they had. Uh, if you haven't been to Desmet in a while, for a long time, there was a park there that had a one-room school in it that was restored in honor of uh, one of the governors of South Dakota. And uh, probably about 10 years ago, they decided to get rid of that and put in what they called a discovery center, which are different things that you can try. Um, there's a Braille writing thing. There is uh, peas to glue on to make Braille. There's um, a sewing, treadle sewing machine, the box over the actual machine. <clears throat> so you can just do the treadle. Various things like that that are scattered around this schoolhouse. Um, and I think I will probably talk about one-room schools accuracy another time. But right now, that's what's going on in there. Then there is a uh, picnic area that used to have a big sign that said 4-H on it. I didn't see that sign this time, but there was something up there that might have covered it up, so it might still be there. And then there had always been a house on the corner, and the Memorial Society got that, knocked it down, so that whole area is one open park now, and put another picnic pavilion and then one other little smaller picnic pavilion um, in, on that area. So that was where they were holding the event. And um, they didn't keep to the schedule very well. It's 
started a little bit slow, pretty much ran over, but it was interesting. There was um, the big draw that really filled the tents was, of course, Dean and Allison, and people were just fascinated to see them. Uh, the first day they did um, uh, speak separately, and people asked them a lot of the normal questions and the, some more unusual questions. And uh, then uh, throughout the rest of the day, we had a, there was a gentleman scheduled who was supposed to be talking about teaching Little House, but there really weren't many teachers there, and there wasn't a lot of uh, interest in that. So he ended up not presenting. Uh, then William Anderson, or, oh no, then uh, Judy Thompson would be next, I think. And she was the one who was the artist who, um, because her, partly because of her homestead series of paintings had been exhibited at South Dakota State Historical Society, she had been contracted to do the illustrations of the cover for Pioneer Girl, Pioneer Girl Perspectives, and the other two upcoming books. And she told a little bit about her process, how she got involved, showed the rejected um, cover for Pioneer Girl Perspectives, and honestly, I like it a lot better. But um, it's, it's so that was kind of interesting. She had sketches that showed her process and went on from there. And probably the most important thing she said for understanding the work in terms of the books is that she said that uh, she was going for artistic truth rather than actual historically correct truth which um, I think will help you understand her paintings a little bit better. Anyway, the main people speaking were, of course, Bill Anderson, the expert on Laura Ingalls Wilder, and Nancy Copel, who is, again, the editor of the Pioneer Girl Project. She is also the person who is involved in my very favorite home site um, story about how they recovered Ma and Pa's portraits. And she actually told that story when I interviewed her uh, about the then upcoming conference in April. So I will also put in the show notes a link to that because it is my favorite story and I just love it. They did some readings, mostly from Bill's book, uh, the most recent book, The Selected Letters. And then they uh, answered some questions from the audience. It is always great to hear Bill speak. You always learn something. And um, this this time, and I don't remember if um, I don't remember if I just had forgotten it or if I'd never known it before. But uh, Bill is telling me that Carrie had a bicycle, which is really such a great story, an important story for the the bicycle movement is such an important story for the history of the country. And I think it's great. She had a bicycle and I've got to look into that a little bit more. So we, we had the, the speakers going on during the day in between uh, they were doing signings. You could for free get bills or Nancy's or Judy's autographs. Uh, then they also had the two stars signing autographs and they were, uh, charging $6 an item as part of the fundraiser for the town. Now, this was, I would say, a pretty 
typical length line. It wasn't super long, but there were people there signing most of the day. And if you had waited till the very end, I think you definitely would have had a chance to talk to them one-on-one. And that's something to know if you are doing it, if you're a TV show fan or just uh, someone who's a little interested in it and you go to one of these signing events, hold back a little ways. Um, unless there's a super long line at the beginning, it probably will quiet down and you will be okay. Uh, so, and get a little more time with them if you wait until then. Uh, then after that, oh, and for the, I was also going to say for non-TV show fans, uh, something to understand about TV show sort of focused events, a lot of it's about this, the autographs. So things that are scheduled off opposite autographs will not be attended nearly as well um, as anything else because the focus is really on getting the autographs and hearing the TV people speak. So that's just something to help you plan your day and where, when you go where uh, during the event. Um, so at the end of the day, we had, um, let's see, I think we had supper at the Oxbow that first night. And then ended up, uh, or the, the night of the first full day, and then we headed out to the pageant. Oh, no, we didn't go to the Oxbow. We went to Ward's Bakery. That's right. We went to Ward's Bakery and um, then went out to the pageant, which uh, is now 15 bucks a person, which is getting to be a little more pricey than it used to be. They still do the chairs, although I don't understand it. Nobody did it right this time. Instead of doing the chairs between the, the benches, which you're supposed to do, and every other single time I've gone, people have done, this time people pushed their chairs up against the bench, which took out effectively two places instead of one, which as this was one of the biggest uh, audience attendance things I have ever seen at the pageant was very unfortunate. Um, I guess they will have to explain it better to first time people because if they're going to have these sides crowds, they had like around 800 people that first night. They also borrowing the model from Walnut Grove, had a question and answer session with Dean and Allison at the beginning of uh, the program uh, before the pageant. And the best part of this was uh, Dean Butler actually was a horseman, but had to learn how to handle a team, how to drive a team of horses for the role of Almanzo. And so uh, they put him in one of the buggies they had there, and he himself drove the horse and uh, horse and wagon onto the stage, and that was just oh, it, it it was just gave you a chills. It was absolutely great. Even if you're not a TV person, I think you would just have found that just the most perfect moment ever. So uh, that was kind of uh, would have been my favorite part of the pageant if the pageant had been any for the last couple years. But this pageant was great. They had dealt with a, a lot of uh, issues. I'd heard people complaining about years. 
Um, there was a lot more done with live horses and, you know, previously if they had like one animal at DeSmet as opposed to the, you know, full cast of animals they have in Walnut Grove, that was lucky. But there were like six, eight different um, animals that were in this uh, play. And they even had the two horses teams, uh, Almanzo passing the other team uh, with drawing the drawing a wagon they made them wagons instead of bucky buggies they didn't have buggies at least two that were the right kind so horse and wagons right across the edge of the stage Almanzo's uh and this is the pageant Almanzo's horse pulled out in front and it was just like oh my god I can't believe they're doing this this is just so good and the acting was really well done they had a decent Laura the um, Nelly was really great, though, in Pa, has been Pa before, and he always puts in a real solid performance. But the, the real person who is the scene stealer this time was the little girl playing Grace. And I hope they can have her back again because she was just so darling and so perfect in her lines that, that she had a lot. But you looked at her, and you know, she was a real highlight of the show. It was just very, very good, very um, a big improvement over the last couple shows that I've been to there. If you get a chance, if you're listening to this in July uh, 2017 and you get a chance to go to the pageant, you should take it. And I would very much have liked to go on back a second night, but things didn't work out. So after the pageant, which went, so we weren't home, but we're back to the hotel till about 10, which one of the things they'd talked about before uh, that people complained about was that it was a fairly short show for having to come here and pay the money. But they did pretty much almost the full two hours, which was terrific. And um, it was so worth going. Um I've talked about how to go to the pageant before, I think. Um, and if not, I will have to do a podcast on that. So either way, there will eventually be a show link in the or link in the show notes to me talking about that. The next day, up and early, and went and um, attend. And actually, I didn't uh, attend the speeches that morning. Uh, they were, it was basically Dean and Allison in the morning, and I had already heard them three times on Saturday, and people were asking kind of the same questions. Um, and so I skipped that and went to spend time at Ingalls Homestead because that was really the only time that I had blocked in for that. Uh, and so went out there, did my favorite thing, which is the wagon ride over to the one room school, and then just sitting there and the prairie blowing around you and the horses making snuffling noises and you're pretty much by yourself because we don't actually go into the school usually when I go to that when I went earlier this year with my niece and nephew we went in to do the one room school show but um, I have done that a number of times and have actually taught programs like that so I don't usually do that when I'm there so I sit out in the wagon and it's just so lovely. 
And I just love that. That is my all-time favorite thing at the homestead. Uh, So then we came back. There was a decent amount of people there. I wouldn't say it was super crowded, but there were enough people that uh, the staff was kind of getting stretched thin to deal with them all, which is a good problem to have. Uh, And then we went over and um, had lunch at Ward's Bakery again, which does very nice pageant meals. It's a fixed menu with just a couple choices, but they are very good. Um, My uh, partner in crime had the ribs and I had the hamburger and the potato salad and both of us really liked what we had. Uh, It wasn't super fine cuisine, but it was very good and filling and just what you wanted on a DeSmet afternoon. And I also, while I was over in that neck of the woods, uh, had paid my uh, DeSmet news bill. Now I can't remember if that's the right day or not. But anyway, I paid my my bill at the DeSmet News because I always love to do that. It's nice to have a piece of real business in town, sort of like you belong there a little bit, and I love doing that. Also checked out the Loftus store and the Wilder Welcome Center and a couple of things. Um, I also uh, tried or walked into uh, the uh, place that said they sold tea right along the strip, and it had just bottled tea. So I was a little disappointed in that because it looked like it might have brewed, but it did not. Um, so after that, uh, we ended up driving over to Manchester, which I had really wanted to do on the trip. I also had wanted to go to Willow Lake to see Cap Garland's grave. I didn't get that done. I would have, except um, my mom wanted me to bid on an online auction for her, and she likes to be bidding at the very last second. So we had to get back to the hotel room. So we didn't have time to get up to Willow Lake. We did uh, go and drive the streets of Manchester, which I really like doing. I really think it feels kind of more of a connection um, with Grace and with really this, this whole town that has kind of disappeared And it's just a a nice thing. I like going to Manchester. And I actually drove around all the roads that are left in Manchester, which are all there. They're low maintenance, but they are perfectly drivable. But I would warn you that as you come in off of the highway, uh, if you take the loop to the left, the farthest left, that is the road that is in the worst shape. And I think if I was driving a car that wasn't a Jeep with four-wheel drive, I would skip that one. But every, all the rest of the roads were perfectly fine. We looked at the memorial, which I had not yet seen, uh, looked at the town pump, and um, just had a lovely time, came back, decided to eat supper at the country club because we hadn't, um, we didn't really want, figured that there'd be a bunch of people in town who'd be eating at the Oxbow and the Dairy Queen and the Subway and, um, you know, all the obvious places to eat. And the country club is kind of back off of the main street a little bit. So uh, if you don't know it's there, you probably would miss it. And you, even if you saw the sign, which is very small, 
uh, you may not realize they have a restaurant because not all country clubs do. But they have a restaurant there, and it's right on the street that you take to go out to where the cemetery is with the Wilder Graves. And uh, that is was very nice. I've been there under the new management. One of the hallmarks of the previous management was that the incredibly slow service times. But I would say that these were very reasonable. Um, it was good food. I don't think it was much at a level above Ward's or um, the Oxbow. A little bit. Prices were in line with those two. So this isn't like you're going to dine with candles. But it is a little further out of the way. There's usually um, less of a tourist crowd there. And I highly recommend that if you're going during an event in, during the Smet, check out the Country Club now that the speed of um, wait time has been dealt with. It is a, a great option. Uh, the next morning, uh, we were getting ready to head home, see that it takes eight to nine hours to drive home. Uh, I had breakfast with some friends from uh, the area, which I was very glad I got a chance to do. Missed a couple other friends, for which I am very disappointed. Uh, so I want to say that uh, whatever time you were planning to spend in Dismet on your vacation, you could very easily double it and not run out of things to do. There's just loads to do in Dismet, and I've got to get back there when it doesn't have an event going on so I can do uh, just some of these normal things that have backed up because I'm always doing event things when I'm there. Uh, and I also, last uh, but not least, is I normally give a report on the best brewed iced tea in Alora home site when I visit because I love brewed iced tea. I cannot stand fountain. And it isn't always a, a very easy way uh, to find out where that is. So uh, having now had the country clubs, um, the they didn't have any wards. Um, the place uh, in that little area of downtown just had bottled, and the subway doesn't have them anymore. And the um, Dairy Queen has Fountain, so that leaves the Oxbow the clear winner by far. Uh, it's about. Uh, $2.90 roughly for a glass of that. It's served in a quart jar. And if you're getting it while you're eating in, it's bottomless refills, which I think is a good bargain uh, to have some of the best tea and to keep yourself hydrated. You can also get it to, in a to-go cup. But if you do that, you know, just run in and get it. Um, you just get the one serving. And I don't think it's quite as good a deal um, 290 is a bit much for a um, glass. It's, oh, I didn't measure it out, but my guess is it's 32 ounces, uh, something close to that. So that's my last update and my hints about the Dismet event. I have not heard that they're going to hold another one, but this one was a big success for the town. It made, I think, a lot of money for a lot of people, even if things didn't go quite like they thought they were going to. And uh, I'm guessing they're going to have another Dismet event. And if you get a chance, I highly recommend you go. And with that, we are going to wrap up this episode. And hopefully 
I'm planning on next week um, doing a special program about Carrie uh, Ingalls and her connection to Keystone, but I don't have a firm date on that yet, and it might be a little later. So I will get back to you on that. Keep an eye on the um, Twitter feed and the Facebook page, and I will see you around the web. Remember to brighten the corner where you are. Thank you.